Welcome to the Christ Community Worship Service. Hallelujah. Our in-person church services begin every Sunday morning at 1115 a.m. We are located at 1281 Sheridan Street in the city of Baldwin, Michigan. Now turn with me to St. John chapter 20. And verse 29, St. John chapter 20 and verse 29. While you're finding your scripture, let me say this. I lived in Denver, Colorado. My son remembers this. I lived in Denver, Colorado for five years back in the 80s. So he was just a little thing. And because of the altitude there, there were many strange weather patterns. Well... One June, it's June now, don't forget, it's June, it's supposed to be summer. We had an unbelievable hail storm. The golf-sized hail pellets accumulated so high that they came up to our car doors. Hail. Automobiles sustained damage that took months to repair. Well, when I got off work that day, I was afraid to run to my car. So I just stood under an overhang as hail dropped from the sky and rattled the ground beneath my feet. The sound was deafening like a million little firecrackers going off at once. The clouds above me were black as coffee and the sky behind it sickly gray. Isn't it strange that the way storms like these can distort our minds. This particular storm was short-lived, but yet my memory of the sun had been nearly engulfed by the darkness that I was experiencing. With each war of thunder, it became more and more difficult to recall what it was like when the sun shone and I enjoyed the caress of its heat and the brilliance of its light. But even in the midst of this storm, I never thought that the sun was gone forever. I never questioned whether the sun ever existed in the first place. I never questioned if it was still shining behind the storm. And despite my fears and doubts, I knew that the sun was real. I knew that the sun still existed and that somewhere just beyond the clouds, the sun was still shining, even though I could not see it. Let's turn to our scripture passage, St. John 20. In verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Let us pray. Right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to come before your throne. Right. My God, and come we do. We cast 
all of our cares upon you. We minimize who we are. It's not about us. It's all about you. And God, you are the focus of this worship service today. We are not looking at one another, but looking and worshiping, focusing on you. And in that focus, we pray that you would release your spirit as never before to move, oh God, through every word that has been prepared, oh God, that your spirit would be magnified and we would be minimized. Father, we pray for everyone within the sound of our voice, God, that you would open our ears, that we may hear the revelation of your spirit, that you would open the eyes of our heart so that we can see you as we've never seen you before. Father, we're praying for anyone that is contemplating suicide, that feels all is lost and it's not worth going on. God, that your spirit would rescue them right now and speak a word of life and give the revelation of eternity. Father, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 29b Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Take your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, Neighbor. believing Believing. is seeing. Take your other neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, believing is seeing. Despite my fears and doubts during that storm, as I stated, I knew that the sun Israel. I knew that the sun still existed and that somewhere behind those clouds, it was still shining. This is known as object permanence. Object permanence is the awareness that an object continues to exist even though we no longer see it. So when we trust the sun is there, even though we can't see it, we are demonstrating our object permanence of the sun. As, an, as adults, we have object permanence. We got it down pat. We know that the sun is in the sky and we know that, that even though I can't see my car, we know it's in the garage. And even though I can't see my clothes, I know that they're in the dryer. I don't need to go and check and make sure that the clothes are in the dryer. I know they're in the dryer. I put them there, even though I can't see them. We know that sweeping something under the rug doesn't make it disappear. Although sweeping dirt under the rug might hide it from our eyes and cause us to forget about it, if you're like me. But that does not change the reality that the stuff is still under the rug. Many unbelievers know this and yet are inconsistent about what they say. When you ask an unbeliever why they struggle with believing in Jesus Christ, a common reply is, if I could only see him, then I would believe. Beloved, seeing 
as leading to believing is central in our text today. If you look at the entire context, it's included in verses 24 through 29. And within this context, there is a joy being written about because they see Jesus. But then we also have this beatitude, this ninth beatitude. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. This beatitude introduces a drastic manner of the great importance of believing in the risen Jesus Christ, even though you have not seen him. In other words, this declaration places the believers who believe without seeing him in a special position where they are called blessed and worthy. But what are the reasons for the inclusion of this blessed declaration? An aspect of this blessedness could be the experience of the greater things that Jesus was talking about in St. John chapter 1 and verse 50 when he saw the uh, disciple Nathaniel under the fig tree. Jesus said to Nathaniel, he said, you believe uh, because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. These greater things were fully manifested during the time where Jesus showed himself after being resurrected from the dead. More specifically, that greater time was that time after the Pentecostal church was inaugurated when the Holy Spirit came to the church and endowed her and the believers with extraordinary supernatural experiences. The Christians who at that time of John's gospel had believed without having seen the risen Christ and therefore are called blessed because they have a relationship with Jesus through faith and faith alone. They enjoy the promise and the experiences of greater things. Jesus seems to be saying, you have seen, when he's talking to Nathaniel, you have seen that I am the all-knowing God because I told you about yourself before you told me about yourself. You've seen that I'm the all-knowing God, but you will see even greater things than this. You've also experienced that I'm the all-powerful God, but you will see greater things than this. You see my power over nature and disease and demons and death and so much more. You will witness me turning water into wine and feeding the 5,000 and walking on the water and healing the lame and raising the dead, but you will see greater things than this. And beloved, today, 
You will see greater things than these. Uh, You've seen his power. He's answered your prayers. He's worked miracles in your life. But you will discover that Jesus can read your heart. You know that he is all-knowing. But you will see that he can transform your heart and your mind. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You will see greater things because not in your strength, but by his grace and his grace alone, God is getting you through things that you could not get through on your own. You will see greater things. Going back to the disciples, consider the disciples, this ragtag group of Galileans who stood in amazement as they watched the Son of God ascend into the sky and disappear from their sight. The one they had walked and talked and ate with was now out of their sight, but not out of their mind. Many of these disciples had developed object permanence with Jesus. And the trials and persecutions that these disciples would have to go through later, they were continued to have faith because they knew that Jesus would be with them until the end of the age. And yet, not all who saw the resurrected Jesus believed in him. In fact, Matthew tells us that there was some who doubted. Even as they looked upon the resurrected Jesus, as he stood on the Mount of Galilee, some saw him and still doubted. Mm. If some of those who actually saw the risen Christ with their own eyes still doubted and failed to believe, what hope do you and I have? We haven't touched Jesus like Thomas. We haven't walked with him like Cleophas. We didn't eat fish with Jesus on the beach in St. John 21. Mm. It would therefore seem that we are at an incredible disadvantage compared to those who saw the resurrected Jesus. Mm. But the Bible disagrees with that thought. In fact, Jesus said it is to your advantage that I go away. But how can this be? Did Jesus know something the disciples didn't know? Yes. (laughs) Jesus knew that it was not sufficient to merely see him work. It was not sufficient to merely witness his miracles. It was not sufficient to watch him teach the crowds and see with their natural eyes. Instead, what humankind really needed was to see Jesus with the eyes of our heart. I know I'm right. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory, the inheritance in his holy people. And now you want to know, how 
does someone whose heart is blind to see Jesus really gain sight and the eyes of their heart be opened? Well, I'm glad you ask. Now, I know some of you might think that it's kind of strange to use this idea of immaterial eyes or the eyes of our heart. See, beloved, the immaterial eyes of your heart are the eyes of your inner person. Your inner person is the real you. Mm. What you looking at and judging and whatever you saying about who you looking at, that's just the outside container. Mm. The real you is inside that natural or fleshly container. The real you don't have high blood pressure. The real you don't have diabetes. The real you is not even in pain. The real you is not even aging. I don't know why we spend so much time on this human container. Yeah, all y'all look cute today. But the real you, the invisible part of you, is the most beautiful part of who you are. The, the real you, your soul and your spirit, sees and knows things that are not identical with what you see with your natural eyes. In other words, there is a spiritual seeing that goes beyond what the natural eye can see. There is a spiritual hearing that goes beyond what our natural ears can hear. There is a spiritual discerning uh, through and beyond what I can think of in my minute mind, minute mind. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.18 that the eyes of their heart be enlightened. So if we need to pray for our heart eyes to open, what causes this kind of blindness in the first place for one the reason for many that are spiritually blind is not because the template is faulty or that Jesus is not existing behind the clouds the reason for this blindness is because those that are blind have a heart that is hard Ephesians 4.18 says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because their hearts are hard. This hardness is a deep aversion to the things of God and a corresponding love for self-exaltation. And the Bible says in St. John 3, 19, that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light. Our problem is not that we lack light, but our problem is that we love the darkness. And darkness will harden your heart. And the only way to 
get back on track, on the right track, on the spiritual track, on the track where his word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, is with the eyes of our heart, is to allow the Holy Spirit to cut away the hard, adulterous substitute that we have packed into the template of our heart. That template was made for God and God alone. Hallelujah. Being able to see with the eyes of our heart is a gift. So embrace the free gift of God's word. God's spirit is a gift. Ask and allow the Holy Spirit to open up the eyes of your heart. The spirit gives us spiritual sight and enables us to see Jesus for who he really is. He is the Lord and Savior of the world. In other words, Jesus disappeared from our eyes in order that we might see him with our hearts. Object permanence. The belief that something exists when we no longer see it. Mm. But this requires having first seen the object in the first place. Mm. You cannot develop object permanence with Christ unless you first received him and the Holy Ghost enabled you to see Jesus by faith in the first place. This is the reason why some fall away when persecution comes. This is the reason that the word is choked out of some from the cares of this life because they never saw Jesus. Hallelujah in the first place. But the opposite is also true. Those who have been given spirit enabled sight of Jesus have object permanence with him such that even in the midst of life's storms, we are able to continue to hold on to our faith that Christ is shining just beyond that storm. And when life gets cloudy and the storms may come in times like these, Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Even in our darkest moments, when doubt looms largest in our minds and we cry out, Jesus, where are you? The Holy Spirit will answer you back and say he is right here. Mm. For it is the Holy Spirit, not our physical eyes, that allows us and enables us to have object permanence with Jesus. While troublesome sometime, when we can't see Jesus with our physical eyes, the Holy Spirit will never ultimately make our faith cease. Mm. Perhaps that's why Jesus gives this beatitude. You are blessed. Blessed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. As Christians, we can continually and confidently look not on the things that are seen, but to the things we can see the invisible. We can see the unseen. At least for now, our object permanence with Jesus is sufficient for our faith and a wonderful gift from the Holy Spirit. But yet that's not the end of our story. <laughs> That's temporary. With each ticking of the clock, the coming of Jesus draws nearer until that moment when we will see him face to face, when he descends in those very clouds that are bringing a storm in your life. Jesus will come with a shout on those same clouds and you will see him as he is. And finally, your natural eyes will correlate with your spiritual eyes of your heart and you shall bow down and say he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. I can see him because he has come soon and very soon he is coming right now he is hiding you in the cleft of the rock and the spirit is just a whisper but you can trust him because he is coming very soon and we will enjoy his light for all eternity so many have gone ahead of us they see the light so many have left here and we grieve their loss but they are enjoying the light and soon and very soon we are going to see the king hallelujah hallelujah Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our heart. They've been closed for so long that they're crusted over with hardness. We pray that gently, uh, Holy Spirit, you would remove this crustiness from around our eyes, that you would remove the shackles, oh God, that we might open our eyes and see you. It begins by meditating in your word day and night. It continues with prayer daily. It continues as we fellowship one to the other. We don't have to beg. We believe that it's already done. And we thank you. We will see things we had not seen before. We thank you for the revelation of your spirit. You are going to give us discernment and wisdom and direction. We walk in your path in Jesus name. Amen. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me. Those of you that are within the sound of my voice, say with me, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. 
I've done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry and I repent and I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give my life to you from this day forward. Help me to live every day in a way that pleases you. If you pray that simple prayer with me, please contact me at 231-349-1046 so that I may pray with you and explain to you the first steps of salvation.